Welcome to ACNL in Action, brought to you by the Association of California Nurse Leaders. I'm your host, Charlene Platon, and this is a podcast for anyone who wants to learn more about nursing, leadership, and everything in between. Before we get started today, I do have an exciting announcement to make. ACNL in Action is now part of the Health Podcast Network. The Health Podcast Network features authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in health and care with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. We're super excited to join this amazing network of shows, and we really look forward to bringing nursing issues to an even wider audience. So congratulations to the ACNL in Action podcast. And so now I'm really excited to introduce our podcast episode. And of course, one of the biggest issues facing nurses in California and beyond is the current nursing shortage. In fact, in 2018, a widely cited study predicted a shortage of over half a million registered nurses by 2030. And that timeline has moved up due to the pandemic. Meanwhile, the influential Future of Nursing report in 2010 called for increasing the number of baccalaureate prepared nurses in the workforce to 80% and doubling the number of nurses with doctoral degrees by 2020. However, today only 64% of RNs have a baccalaureate degree or higher. And one of the biggest factors affecting the shortage is the lack of enrollment growth at nursing schools, which in turn is led by a shortage of nursing faculty. One recent survey showed that most nursing schools were turning qualified applicants away simply because they didn't have enough faculty or clinical preceptors available. And so with that all in mind, our guest today is Dr. Mary Wickman, faculty emeritus for the Department of Nursing for Vanguard University and immediate past president of the California Association of Colleges of Nursing, or CACN. Mary has held administrative roles at a variety of nursing schools throughout California and is also a past president of ACNL. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining us today. It's so great to have you. Well, I thank you, Charlene. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. And as you kind of talked about the background and where we're at nursing academia, it just reinforces you know, that it is a puzzle and that nursing academia still has a lot of work to do as do we as nurses every place, but I've, I've loved being an educator. I'll tell you just a little bit about my background. So I started, I went to nursing school at Mount St. Mary's College in Los Angeles. And after I got out of Mount St. Mary's College, I joined the Navy and I joined the Navy to see the world. And I was from Pasadena. And so I ended up being stationed about 50 miles from my hometown. So I didn't really see the world at that first duty station, but it was mm -hmm. fun because I was stationed at Port Wainimi, which is um, just a little bit north of uh, Camarillo, south of Santa Barbara. So my dad was in the Navy. He was a CB and he was stationed there when my mom and dad first got married. So, you know, there's a little bit of history there, but the, the um, Navy, I think, just gave me a really excellent introduction to my career. You have quite a bit of leadership opportunities in the Navy, you know, throughout whatever ranking or, or that you have. So I started out, I, I, I was there for three years, active duty for three years at Port Wainimi, and I had the chance to work in OB, labor and delivery, mother baby, um, charge nurse on med surge. I worked in the OR, pre-op, post-op. 
and spent a little bit of time in the ED and house supervision as well as peds clinics. So I ended up having a broad depth, I think, of experiences that got me started well in my career. Um, I did get married when I was in the Navy. I was um, pregnant at the end of my three-year rotation. So at that time, my husband and I decided that I would, instead of staying active duty in the Navy, that I would go back into the reserves when it was the right time for my family. He was a Navy pilot, and he stayed active duty for about four more years. But what happened was that I had the chance to go back uh, to school with my VA benefits And I went to UCLA and my master's was in obstetrical nursing. So it was just a really great way to start my career too, as far as getting an advanced degree. So I had a baby at that time and well, I think schools just work whenever, but it allowed me a little bit more time to study and to get my work done. So after that, I I have four children, four daughters. And so I did continue to work per diem during that time. I worked at a hospital in OB. I love OB and I love babies. So that's been Mm -hmm. my primary focus. And, but I had the chance to go back into the reserves when my youngest daughter was about three. So I stayed in uh, the Navy for 21 years. I um, stayed in and left as a, as a captain, which is 06. And so had some really wonderful experiences in reserves and doing active duty time during the summer. So I think that gave me a really great start um, to my career and gave me a good background as far as leadership opportunities too. So after my girls were a little bit older too, I ended up taking a job at a community college in education. And Mm -hmm. I started out as a faculty member. My area was OB and PEDS primarily. And then became the director of the program. After that, I decided to go back and get my PhD. I came from a family that was very pro-education and had the chance to get my my PhD from UCLA, as I had for my master's. And then at that time, I wanted to have the opportunity to work at a university. So I worked at Mount St. Mary's College for a little bit. Um, Cal State Fullerton, I helped start up uh, their entry-level master's program. Oh, that's great. Yeah, really fun. And then I moved over to Vanguard University. And so it was a little bit closer to home. I, they, start, they had a master's program and I had a chance to be started out as, as the director and then the associate dean of nursing at Vanguard University. So I think I've had a wonderful career. I don't regret going into nursing one little bit. And one thing I always try to tell students is that there's really no reason to get burnt out in nursing because you can always switch to another specialty area. You can move from the hospital. You can move into the community. You could do, you know, telephone triage. There's just so many things in nursing that you can do. Whereas I think in other professions, you might be a little bit more limited by your background. So I'd mm-hmm. love to, my youngest daughter is a nurse. And so that's pretty exciting. And oh, that's great. That is yeah. awesome. She's an, a nurse practitioner and she works at St. Joe's and OB triage. So it's kind of fun to still chat with her. And oh, hear I love that. Change nurse stories, you know, still that's, that's really fun. And so I've just, I've, I've enjoyed my career. I've had the chance to do a couple of volunteer positions. One was with ACNL and I joined ACNL really during the time I was at Cal State Fullerton to help to get it helped me get to know different 
educators and hospital administrators in the area. So it helped with starting up that new program, which I still love mm-hmm. about ACNL. And so I started then, and then I, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who always likes to volunteer for things. And so I might not get the position or whatever, but it's just good to put yourself out there. So I, I started as the board South representative, and I ended running for ACNL president, and I, I was elected, and that was such a wonderful opportunity. So I love ACNL. I really do. It's yes. been a great organization to belong to. It's amazing. And then I did the same thing for CACN. So then I was selected to be as president-elect and then president, and, and now I'm past president. Dr. Karen Lightfoot is the president of CACN right now. So that's my background. And I have five grandchildren. That's pretty Oh, exciting. that's great. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing your journey. And you said so much of that so nonchalantly, but I mean, you have so much great experience. And I think that the, what you told us about your background as a Navy Reserve nurse and with your transition to, you know, with your roles in leadership and education, that's really a testament, just like what you're saying to the diversity of the nursing profession you could really do so much throughout your entire career that, that there is no shortage of different things that you could do. It's a really interesting and dynamic profession. And I do want to talk about your experience with CACN as well, because I know that you also just got back from the joint fall conference um, that was held by the CACN and the California Organization of Associate Degree Nursing. And so the conference featured updates from the BRN as well as discussions about the future of nursing and competence-based education. And is there anything you'd like to share with us from that meeting? Well, maybe I'll start first with just what kind of organization CACN is. So it's the California Association of Colleges of Nursing. And so our membership is baccalaureate and graduate programs throughout the state of California. There is a complementary organization, COADN, for associate degree in nursing programs. But CACN is small because we have 54 schools in California. And so when we look at the organization, uh, the dean director is the representative. So it's, it's a small but well-connected organization. So, and I think it's just grown that way more over time. So typically we have two conferences a year, just recently, just in relationship to work that we've done with the Board of Registered Nursing, we um, hired a legislative advocate. Her name is Lydia Bourne, and she presented at the conference too. So she's helping us with some different legislative work that's related to nursing practice. So that's, you know, just a little bit about the organization, but the conference was wonderful because it really, it's the first in-person one that we've had for a year and a half. So I think when people were a little bit nervous about going and maybe getting sick, they were well assured that the, both the hotel and ACNL staff provide protection you know, against COVID. They use COVID precautions. People wore masks. They had special ventilation in the conference rooms and all that. So I, I think people felt mm-hmm. uh, totally safe. But the the themes of the conference were pretty fun. It was actually our president-elect who came up with them. They were reflection, resilience, and reimagination. And so- Three R's. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. That's brilliant. (laughs) I should have played on that, Charlene. But yeah, it, it, it turned out to be really great. So I think the first day was more reflection. 
And then the next day was resilience. And then our last day was on reimagination and involved a speaker, but as well as breaking out into small groups at tables and um, just sharing how we want to reimagine our nursing programs when we got back home Mm -hmm. from the conference. So on the first day, it it was really fun. Yeah, people really enjoyed uh, chatting together. The first day, Loretta Melby, she's the executive officer of the Board of Registered Nursing. She came and she gave BRN updates, which are, are quite a few. And then she went over the director's handbook. That's typically what we do at the fall conference. We have the BRN executive officer uh, give updates to the group. So then we had an opening, a keynote on really that focused on resilience. The, the speaker was wonderful and funny. And I think everybody started out just really, really excited. Our business meeting was, was that day too. And then what I, would you say for the reflections was a common theme? I think for the, re, the, the reflection, it was just reflecting back. And that was, you know, throughout the, I think it's really more the second day is reflecting back on the pandemic and how that had affected our practice in nursing academia. So it affected everybody, of course, hospitals, schools, schools of nursing, clinical agencies and sites. And so reflecting on that and on things that really turned out to be positives in spite of the, the, the pandemic being difficult and you know just causing so much change in the way that we did business. I think mm-hmm. the take-home message was that there were so many lessons that we learned during that time that we can, t- we can continue to use in the future. So For example, I think one was just sharing with other schools and program directors about what they were doing. Like, for example, pediatric placements were hard to to find. And so I reached out to the director at Cal State Fullerton, that was a local program, and and she gave me some ideas of what she was doing for her students. So we got ideas from each other. That was really positive. I think we learned that uh, Zoom, Zoom can be a great technology. You just don't want to overuse it, but... Mm -hmm. um, particularly for me, because I teach in a graduate program, it turned out to be very um, personal because we had smaller class sizes and students liked it too, especially graduate students that were working in the hospital setting and were exposed to COVID all day. They would mm-hmm. prefer to use Zoom for classes and then afternoons, evenings, or on the weekend. So, so I think that that was uh, positive too. And I think just um, because clinical placements were so restricted, uh, we tried out things that we never tried before. Mm -hmm. So telehealth was huge. And the Board of Registered Nursing provided direction for the deans and directors of things that they could do for telehealth. And telehealth was counted as actual clinical time. So it was considered as direct patient care hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And telehealth is so big now because of the pandemic too. So a lot of our screening work can be done via via telehealth. So, you know, that was that was something too. And students, you know, I, I think we learn a lot from our students, but it was students definitely, you know, their anxiety about getting enough clinical hours and mm-hmm. being able to function when they they start working it was something that we as educators had to deal with and try to help ameliorate their concerns. And, you know, a lot of students have done very well in NCLEX during, during COVID too, but it's something that, yes, they don't have as many direct patient care hours as they would have if they'd been 
uh, typical clinicals, but simulation simulation was uh, used more frequently and we had more hours that the BRN allowed it uh, to use simulation. And Mm -hmm. so that was, that was another area of growth for programs too. So most most programs do have a simulation lab, but they just got developed more and faculty, nursing faculty are so creative. Probably true with all faculty of other disciplines too, but very, very creative and made things fun for the students and and worked hard Mm -hmm. to make it the best learning experience for students. So, And and can you also speak to the resilience piece? Because I know you alluded to the anxiety that the students had. I'm sure that the, the, the faculty also had anxieties related to the schools, the programs, and how they were going to support um, students during this time, but I'd love to hear from your from your learnings about the resilience piece as well. Uh, the speaker that we had on resilience was just fantastic, and she was funny and upbeat, and you know talked about you know different experiences that she had. But I think with resilience, nurses have to have resilience. You know, it's I think that is a quality that's really important because we have to be able to bounce back. And things don't always go the way that we want them to go. So you might have a patient that goes downhill and passes away, or, and you have to still move forward and carry on. So she really definitely talked about ways to be present. So when we're more present to people in our conversations and really listen to them and are in tune to what they're saying to us, that really helps with that relationship too. And I think helps you to have more fulfillment in that relationship or with the student or the faculty member that you're dealing with. So those are kind of the main things that I can think of, but so much of resilience too is making sure that you take care of yourself too. Mm -hmm. So, right, you know, are you exercising? Are you eating well? Are you getting enough sleep? All those things kind of feed together. And Mm -hmm. she, she also talked about gratitude. And at the beginning, end of the day, thinking about things that you were grateful for. And Mm -hmm. so that's an important way for us to really appreciate our day and to reflect back on all the things that were good about it, instead of maybe thinking about things that didn't work out quite the way that you wanted them to. Right. And I know too, with, and I just love those, the three R's, by the way, that, that is amazing, an amazing way to summarize really the past year and a half, I think, and, and really the whole um, profession of nursing, the whole industry of healthcare. And for the reimagining, was that also related to innovations or was it more just kind of thinking about nursing on a, in a different reimagination was thinking about it in a, in a different way. So everybody is grounded in their own program kind of thing and, and the resources that you have at your college. But the reimagination focused on lessons that they learned the day before and how they were going to take that back to their schools and to their faculty. Mm hmm. So on Thursday, we have presentations on the new AACN essentials, as as well as the future of nursing report. So that brought out a lot of good learnings. And so people talked about how they could take the lessons home, you know, that they learned about during the conference. And it was so much fun to watch everybody because they really missed talking to each other. They really, really Mm -hmm. enjoyed the conversation. And so at first I was telling Karen, I think we have too much time in this section, but we didn't, you know, people Mm -hmm. were really excited about talking. We did have uh, time to have people come up to the mic and to talk about their experiences too. So 
it turned out to be really a highlight and helped us pull together the different conference conference mm -hmm. themes. That's great. And I know that the, you know, the feeling of isolation has been such a big part of this pandemic and, you know, for people to working from home and even for people working in the hospital. So I'm really glad that there was that opportunity for everyone to bond in person because it really makes a huge difference, you know, and turning it back to the nursing shortage, because it's really at the top of, I think, a lot of people's minds at the moment. There was a study that showed that two thirds of nursing schools were turning away students due to a shortage of faculty members. And what, from your perspective, what are nursing schools doing to solve this, this challenge? I, I think most definitely the pandemic created a lot of problems for some schools. There was a couple of schools that had to stop enrolling students during mm. that time period because they couldn't find even the clinical sites. So faculty can be a barrier, but also the clinical site can be a barrier. So there was a few schools in Northern California who didn't admit students for a couple of cycles. I don't know if any programs shut down entirely. I, I'm not aware of that, so can't speak to that. But I think for a lot of schools, they tend to they tended to maintain the same number of students that they enroll every year, but some stopped out admitting students for a cycle because they were concerned about getting the current students through their clinical rotations. So mm -hmm. if they admitted the next cohort, they'd have, you know, they'd be fighting against themselves, you know, for, right. in other words, for those clinical sites. So, you know, part of it was just access. It was access to clinical sites. Those are probably the biggest challenge that we have. But I think also what it has, and it was interesting because a lot of schools said this, is that it's pretty tough to get nursing faculty because of the disparity of salaries between nursing practice and academia. And so I think all schools experienced a hard time hiring new faculty. Those that had a retiring dean director had a hard time finding a replacement unless mm. they they brought somebody up from the faculty that was there already. So most definitely, you know, that is a problem. Practice offers higher salaries than academia does. And yet where I work at Vanguard University, we do give nursing faculty professional stipends. So they do get more money than uh, the general faculty. Not, I shouldn't say all, because that just varies across different disciplines, but we do try to recognize uh, their skill and expertise. So what mm -hmm. we do though, is we use adjuncts more. And so an right. adjunct would be somebody who's not a full-time faculty member who comes in and maybe teaches a clinical course or a lecture course. And they could be ongoing or they could be just, you know, one semester and then it doesn't work out for them again. So you might have that faculty member filling that position who could be absolutely fantastic. Maybe they're so excited about teaching and they put themselves full force into it. But you can also have faculty that maybe aren't aware of all the different nuances with education and, you know, they, they have a little bit of a harder time in the classroom. And the, mm -hmm. and, the, and the students can tell that too, that there might not be the same interest. So I think we have a, you know, we have a lot of work to do. One thing um, that I found that was kind of interesting as I was doing just some research before we talked today is that in the 19, 19 to 20 annual sc school survey, and this was AACN that reported that actually 
there was a growth in the number of students mm-hmm. and baccalaureate programs. So that was that was quite interesting. So, but what we're seeing is really that the challenge now is replacing nurse, nurses in the hospital who are retiring. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that's understandable because you had the pandemic and you had so many people so sick. And nurses worked extra shifts. They were concerned about bringing COVID home to their families. You know, some didn't want to be around their children when they came home until they'd, you know, they're totally cleaned up or maybe isolated for a little bit. So it was a very stressful time for nurses. So, and this is from the hospital side. And Mm -hmm. so they do surveys of number one, nursing students, but also they do a survey annually of California registered nurses and track that across the state. So Mm -hmm. Joanne Spitz is involved in those, those surveys. So, you know, that is something for us to be aware of. I know the hospitals are working on different strategies to maybe keep nurses in a little bit longer, but also to bring back retired nurses into the workforce to help help during this time. But yeah, and I know that there's a lot of challenges that you mentioned there. And, and just speaking to, you know, to the challenges of COVID, what would you say that you're seeing right now in regards to the impact of COVID-19 on, on nursing students specifically, in addition to the challenges with the clinical placements? I think uh, with COVID, um, probably if a, if a student was really afraid of it, they might decide that they don't want to go into nursing. I can think that that's probably one thing. But I think also, on the other hand, there's a lot of students that want to come in and help because of COVID. So mm-hmm. we've, we've seen that too as well. Maybe like after 9-11, when there's something that is huge and traumatic, that, you know, there are students who want to come in and, and help. So, you know, that, that's been, been something. But I think that students, when they're, when they're a student, you typically don't put them with COVID patients. That's one thing that we Right. We didn't mm-hmm. do in uh, the hospitals that we're at because they didn't have all the protective gear. So that risk is maybe reduced, you know, because of that. But, you know, I, I think pandemics are here, here to stay. And so, you know, Unfortunately. For, yeah, for nurses at the conference, they talked about incorporating more disaster planning, planning in your curriculum. I think that's probably something that that needs to be mm-hmm. done. And, and in hospitals, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we see, you know, the pandemic still stretching out and the Delta variant and, you know, those things will just, just keep on going over time. But, you know, for hospitals, the big thing is infection pre- uh, prevention and creating the spread from one patient to another. So it's, it's definitely changed the way that we do business, hasn't it? And one thing that I think that's been so great for nurses though, is the support of the public. For nurses too, mm-hmm. you know, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, where you'd see nurses coming off their shifts, and people would be outside and cheering for them, and you know, really appreciating the work of the nurse. Right. Um, so. Do you do you see that our situation has been improving with the vaccinations that are now widely available? I, um, I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I hospitals are reporting decreased admission and they're taking in, in students. We didn't have issues with our PEDS placement. So I, I think it's, it's diminishing, but, you know, still there in some areas. So, and for some cultures, most definitely for the unvaccinated, they're the, that's the group that's being impacted. 
as well as some cultural groups and lower socioeconomic. So there, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done uh, for sure, but it's not the same just you know, just there in your face as it was in the beginning right. and so intense. So I, I, I think things are getting better that way. And, you know, over time, you just get used to things, don't you? That's just the way mm-hmm. we are as you know, human beings. We adapt. And so I think that's happened for faculty and students as well. And do you see more hybrid pro- programs now, too, for, for nursing programs, nursing schools? Or do you see more programs deciding to go, you know, all in person or, or remote? Just wanted to learn about that from from your perspective. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely more of a trend towards hybrid programs. We always had had them, but I think you know we've used it in a in a better way. So hybrid, obviously, for pre licensure students, you can't do clinical hybrid. You know they have to be in clinical or in the in the simulation lab. It was interesting at, at the conference because one of the speakers was saying that she really saw the need for a part time pre-licensure program. Mm-hmm. So, and, I, and I think that's, that's, that's probably true because you had students that maybe had to drop out or, you know, weren't able to go to school full-time, those kinds of things. So that's the first time I've heard of that idea. And I thought, oh, that's, that's really interesting, you know, because we, we tend to do things the way that we've always done it. And for pre-licensure, it's, you know, you, you have to have, be on a track so that you have enough students in a cohort uh, that warrants a full-time faculty member and, and theory and, and clinical too. But I thought, yeah, maybe it's time to think of things like that. So and that goes along really nicely with the reimagination right. theme from the conference. And I've been seeing so many different types of that reimagination and in, in all these different fields of nursing, but to think about that in the nursing education spectrum is really awesome. Yeah. You know, I think so too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the benefits of going through a time like that is that, you know, you have a different perspective. It changes your perspective and things that you think would never work actually turn out to be good ideas and, and do work out and there's a need for it. So, right. And that's what nurses do really well, you know, thinking of how to do things differently, more efficiently to take care of um, patients, to take care of each other, students. So I think that really you know, if that, if there's been any demonstration of, of the skills that nurses have, it's really been, it's really been that the pandemic really brought out a lot of that in nurses. We call that the nursing process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you assess, you diagnose, you come up with a plan and then you reassess to see if it works. So yes, you know, I, and nurses, you know, they, they need to be flexible. I mean, you can have you know, thoughts of a certain plan of care, and it just doesn't work for that patient and their family. So, you know, we're dealing with human beings. So there does have to be that flexibility and ability, you know, listen to the person to see what's going on with them, and then to adapt your plan of care as to what's going to be best for that individual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're already running to the end of our conversation today. And, you know, I, I just feel like there's so much more to talk about with this with such an important challenge for nursing education and the nursing shortage and also the faculty shortage. But were there any final thoughts or any other comments you wanted to make in terms of the shortage and what we could do during this time? I I think whatever we do, it has to be collaborative and it does take interdisciplinary work. So, I mean, all those interdisciplinary work has been really important in nursing, but I think that collaboration really is something, something that we could work on. So I was talking to one of the faculty and and saying, you know, why can't we do something regionally? So I think, 
you know, the more you collaborate with other schools, you know, the, the better you are. You know, it's, it's a complex world. And so we need a lot of people working with us. And so, you know, maybe do more regional work than we've done before in the past, I think is, is a way that we need to think about going. It can even happen with schools too. But I think we're on the verge of that. I, I think we're almost mm-hmm. there that we're more apt to do that. So just this group, CACM, the, the members from faculty and graduate programs meeting together with uh, the dean's directors from associate degree programs and the work that we've done, collaborative work we've done on something called dual enrollment, whereby mm-hmm. students enrolled in a university and at a community college at the same time. That was, I think, the best starter of us working together more. And there's so many other ways that we can collaborate between the, the two different groups. And I, I see that happening as uh, just over time, and especially because of the pandemic. So I think that's a, a very positive thing. And mm-hmm. it, it's you know just looking at each other, each other's needs and having the chance to talk uh, with each other. Right. That's, that's the most important thing. Thank you so much, Dr. Mary Wickman. I love the emphasis on the interdisciplinary collaboration with the connection piece. I think that's vital to us as nurses and to our profession. So I really appreciate your comments and the conversation today. And thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you, Charlene. I really enjoyed having the chance to chat with you too as well. All right. And so our guest today was Dr. Mary Wickman, faculty emeritus for the Department of Nursing for Vanguard University and immediate past president of the California Association of Colleges of Nursing. To learn more about CACN, visit cacollegesofnursing.org, and we'll also provide a link in the show notes along with Mary's LinkedIn page. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Email us at socialmedia at acnl.org and connect with us on LinkedIn and Facebook at our handle, which is at acnlnurse. ACNL in Action is presented by the Association of California Nurse Leaders with new episodes featured on the first Friday of every month. To learn more, visit acnl.org.